Well, hi, and welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. This is Portia. And this is Katie. And we are so happy to be together. And we're very, very excited to introduce you to our guest today. Y'all, this is a guest that gets all of the military references that Katie makes. (laughs) (laughs) This is a guest that that knows the life that knows what it is to serve our country, that knows what it is to support someone who serves our country. And I'm really, really excited for that. It's almost like we're in a club. We talked about that before we hopped on, right, Katie? Yeah, and it's, it's like, we know the lingo and sometimes we forget, like last night I was playing bridge with my brothers and sisters and you know we chat while we play and talking about our kids. And, and I have three sons in the military, one in the Air Force, one in the Army, one in the Marine Corps. And so we were talking about John. I said, yeah, he's TAD right now up to Pentagon and blah, blah, blah. And they got on my case. So like, TAD, okay, what is TAD? Like, oh, uh, what is that? Uh, temporary assignment of duty, you know, like. You know. And they were just going on and on about, you think everyone knows your lingo and they don't, you know. So we know listeners that many of you are military wives, Mm -hmm. but many of you aren't. Um, How lovely though, to learn about uh, other kind of walks of life. So we're so Mm -hmm. excited to have Chandra with us today. And it is pronounced Chandra. Yes. And we were so happy to get that uh, that settled. Chandra Moyer and um, Portia, let's jump right in and right. read Chandra's bio, and then we will let you all meet her. All right, here we go. Chandra Moyer is a speaker, author, life coach, and decorated former Army officer. For three decades, she has empowered women through speaking, books, coaching, conferences, retreats, and workshops. As a survivor of incest and complex trauma, Chandra understands the obstacles women have to overcome to find freedom. Don't miss this story. Pull up a chair and lean into Chandra's healing story. Welcome, 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 our new friend and sister, Chandra. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be with you ladies this morning. And we just love it. We're always so honored to meet meet a new friend. And when we hear bios like that, both Portia and I lean in like, oh, this is going to be a good one. So we have lots of questions, um, but we always start at the beginning. Would you describe your childhood and what were some of your favorite things? Well, I was raised or born into a military family. And I was born at a naval hospital in Queens, New York. Uh, The story goes that I was born a preemie and I came out so fast, the doctor almost dropped me. So, I I mean, I came out, I'm a fast talker, fast walker, not as fast (laughs) as I used to be, but but I was just born that way. And uh, I earned my flying wings when I was six weeks old. My dad was stationed. We moved from New York to Washington State, all the way across the the, uh, United States. And then by the time I was four, I'd lived in four different places. And Mm -hmm. we landed in the Philippines and he was stationed at Clark. And so the early years, elementary years, I was in the Philippines. And one of the favorite things I love to do, um, I used to run through the jungles with my brother, who was about a year older. 
Now, we weren't supposed to do that <laughs> because it was still dangerous. They still had some live grenades and stuff in the jungles from the mm -hmm. war, but that didn't stop us. We would just go out there and, and hide and, you know, uh, just explore. So I had that adventuresome spirit uh, from an early age. So that was one of my favorite things. I don't have a lot of memories from my childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, most of my memories are the ones they they're outside and playing, but I have very few like inside the house. Mm -hmm. um, I was also a very creative, imaginative child. I um, So it was really easy for me to live in both worlds, reality and slip into fantasy, very easy. And uh, books were my favorite friends. I could uh, go on adventures anywhere I wanted, especially the books that I didn't realize why they I was gravitated to those, but the autobiographies of people who uh, went through difficult lives like Helen Keller, mm -hmm. Sitting Bull, all those kind of biographies drew me at an early age. And so every week I was ready to, to you know, run to the library and get another stack of books and, and uh, live in that world. So, um, I, I, and, you know, I still love books. I just don't read as many. Sure. Right. <laughs> Sandra, I can relate to you so much with that. I remember, like, I remember reading Leon Uris, yeah. Exodus. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be Jewish so bad. Yeah. And yes. I literally wanted to move to a kibbutz and <laughs> be a, a sabra or a habra. I'm probably saying it wrong. That was a long time ago when I read right? it. Right. But yeah. literally, and I'm like, oh, I'm so mad that I was <laughs> Irish Catholic girl from Wisconsin. I wanted to be. So mm -hmm. I get that. And right. Before we move on, I don't mean to interrupt, but I can help myself. Um, have you ever read John Grisham's novel about the war in the Philippines? No, I never. Oh my read, gosh, never read it. That. He his okay. main character. I mean, I don't know if you like like John Grisham. Mm -hmm. I love his Good novel. storytelling. He um, his main character fought in the Philippines mm. uh, during World War II and um, was on the Bataan Death March. Wow. And I think I learned more about the war in the Philippines. Philippines. I like fiction that it also teaches you. Me teaches. too. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I do too. Look that one up. Okay. That was a sidetrack. Sorry. That's a note. That's note taken. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. So growing up in the Philippines, that's a tropical environment. Is that rainy season, dry season? Oh, the monsoon season was the rainy season. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Very hot, very hot and humid. And mm -hmm. If you can believe it, we lived, we lived there without air condition. Oh my God. I just remembered something. What we used to do as little kids, there were four of us. Mm -hmm. We would sit because we were stair step, you know, okay. like five, four, three, two type thing. Mm -hmm. And it would be so hot. So we just take off our shirts and we would sit like three ducks in a row, three monkeys in a row, and we just tickle each other's back so we'd get chills to cool off. <laughs> I love it. I can picture it. Pleasures, you know. You know the things that kids come up with. I mean, like if you're if you're hot, cold, hungry, tired, kids are going to figure out how to yes. solve the problem. Yes. Oh, oh I love that. Very yeah, very hot there. And I don't know how my mother did it pregnant and wow. uh, living in the Philippines for six yes. years. It's just wow. mind boggling to me because I, I don't deal with the heat well. <laughs> Where are you in the stair step? Are you the oldest, second oldest? 
I'm the second oldest, okay. uh, the oldest daughter. Okay. So my brother was a year older than me, but I felt like I was the oldest. Yes. That's actually, that's really common with birth order. If you're the first of your gender in your family, then you have a lot of firstborn tendencies, even though yes. you're not the first one born in the yes. family. I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah. Well, let's fast forward. The- um, just, just a little bit in your story mm-hmm. to um, college. It brought a lot of changes. And so it what did. was... Um, if I can just backtrack just a second right sure. before college, how I ended up there, because, uh, you know, as, as you all well know, raised in the military, it was, I was in the white culture, basically. Okay. And so my senior year, I was always told I was going to college, but I got to my senior year and I found I had no money to go to school. Nothing was mm-hmm. discussed in my family. So I'm scrambling around trying to get scholarship money. And my band instructor said, um, you know, I think I can get you a music scholarship at Norfolk State. And I said, great. He says, I have a couple of students coming back in spring break and they can tell you all about the college. You know, we didn't have what we have today, all the social media, right? So you had that thick book in the uh, <laughs> guidance counselor go look yes. through. And so um, the two guys that came back were white. And so I just assumed the university was white. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to freshman orientation and my other girlfriend went with me and she happened to be black, but she was also raised in a white culture like me. And I was shocked. I was at a black university and I didn't know it. And so wow. it was like a first immersion for me really into black culture. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a big shift. Now I did go visit my dad's uh, relatives in New York every once in a while when he came back from, you know, from overseas. But I hadn't really been in the black culture. So I learned a lot. I met my husband my freshman year. And the thing he said to me was, you're the whitest black girl I've ever met. So right. I- <laughs> yes, I, 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 might, I might have some experience with that myself, Chandra. Yeah. So, but how, so how was that for you? I mean, it seemed like it was a positive experience for you. It was a positive experience for me. But initially, I was a little bit confused. Because at first, I was always like maybe the only black girl in the room, the -hmm. dark skinned girl in the room and with the kinkiest hair Mm -hmm. in the white culture. And then I went into the black culture all of a sudden. uh, Now I'm high yellow. I'm the lightest girl. You know, it Mm -hmm. was a little uh, confusing for me. Mm -hmm. And my husband was having to teach me. He said, you don't know anything, do you? So Mm -hmm. I really was learning. But I tell you, it was healthy. I needed that exposure. I think that exposure was good for me. And actually, I thrived in that environment because I felt I had instructors who really believed in me. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I really had that to that degree before. Sure. And um, and I just could really learn to to be among people that looked like me. Right. And I think. And now, of course, there's you know, differences in the black cultures. We know, you know, we have those polarizing things, too. But for the most right. part, I think it was beneficial. I mean, I became the first female cadet corps commander in the RTC history. Wow. So I was doing some trailblazing, mm-hmm. won national awards and things like that. And then I was commissioned. Oh, I want to back up there, but. I'll say all that, and then mm-hmm. we can talk about my um, the experience I had right before I graduated sure. that was pivotal in my life. I love I, what you said about just seeing people that look like you, because I think that's so important. And I think that those are things in my own life that have helped framed me the more exposure I've had with Black culture, because as an Army brat, 
and, and even a preacher's kid, I have mostly been in white spaces. And so um, the more often that I'm able to be around other people of color, I was like, oh, oh, that's cool. I'm, that's normal that I am, how, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever the case may yes. be. Yes, yes, right? I mean, that's been eye-opening for me. And I've gained more of that even as I've matured. Yes. Um, right? And been able to express certain things. So it's been a, a neat journey. But you're, you're right. It's uh, when you're the only one of, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, how I dealt with it, and I didn't even know I did it mm-hmm. consciously. I just said I didn't see color, kind of right. like, uh, you know, when now my husband was raised in the South segregation okay. everything wow. all right so our black experiences were different mm-hmm. and so when I started dating him and we would go to eat out somewhere he would be driving around the restaurant outside in the car and I'm thinking what are you doing he's looking inside to see if there were any black people people wow. of color right he wouldn't go in mm-hmm. unless he saw people of color because of his environment what he came out of right and he said, he says, why don't, he says, um, look inside. And I'd look inside. <laughs> He'd mm-hmm. say, what do you see? I said, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, do you see any black people? I don't know. I didn't really pay attention. You mm-hmm. know, so that's kind mm-hmm. of how that went. Mm-hmm. But I think that was also part of my coping mechanism also. Right. Yeah. I do get that. I get that. Um, it, what I hear both of you saying, though, is just broadening experiences mm-hmm. you grow up one way and mm-hmm. what whichever way that might be right and it takes moving on going yeah maybe going to college or going to a workplace or right you know um and to broaden and to meet yes. other people of other races of yes. other even at the beginning we talked about military people versus non-military people yes right. Different right. experiences, different length, way, yes. way. I mean, right. Know, mm-hmm. um, but like my sister, we grew up in a small town in Wisconsin and then she went off to college and then she um, signed up to be an exchange student at Grambling University. Oh, that's right. That's a black, yeah. that's a black so university. Yeah. yeah, totally. And so she was one of only three uh, white girls on mm-hmm that whole campus yeah and she'd come home and tell us stories so we felt like we were broadened through yes being broadened. Mm-hmm. and um and just educated on reality and what was yes. going on back then and we're all shocked because we we think we're this progressive northern you know right. um, and anyway, anyway, we could talk on and on about that. But what happened towards the end of college? Um, John, um, it was it's my senior year and my husband got the scholarship to go to Ohio State. He's a year ahead of me yep. and he left me his Bible. Uh, he's a good old Baptist boy and I was raised Catholic and he always said, you don't really know much about uh, the Bible. So I'm going to leave you my Bible. And so he leaves it. I shelve it. But it was around Easter. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Well, and you couldn't tell me anything because I was Catholic. You know, right. I was raised, if you're Catholic, you're going to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. So I always believed in Jesus, but he just seemed so far up there. Yeah. Whatever. I didn't have that personal relationship. So I have a dream uh, on like the week before spring break. And in the dream, I was standing outside and in the, in the, it was like an earth tremor, earthquake. 
And I just knew, like, it was a knowing that the time had come. And I began to see masses of people from all nations begin to gather. And I'm looking up into the heavens, and I'm seeing this thundering and lightning, these brilliant billowing clouds. Like It's like the heavens being opened, and this man begins to descend. Mm. And I knew it was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as I watched in awe, people began to rise. Mm-hmm. And I didn't rise. And I woke up. <sighs> and immediately I grabbed the Bible because it was so real. Yeah. And I grabbed the Bible and the Bible opens up to Revelations. Mm-hmm. And I began reading the book. That's the first book I've read. <laughs> 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 Way to start. <laughs> well, you came out fast. This, this is this is you. You said it. my friend. Yeah, you're just you're just gonna go fast. Let's go. <laughs> Let's just get to the end, right? So I'm reading the book, and there's that passage about Jesus returning, mm. and all will gather, and every eye will see him. Oh, that freaked me out mm-hmm. because I had never heard that. I had never read that. Now, the funny thing is I had a um, speech instructor who happened to be a Catholic nun at a secular university. Okay. So I went to sister at the convent because, you know, that's all I could hear from was Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) I I went to sister and I said, I had this dream. You know, what does it mean? Just it wouldn't leave me. Right. And she just looked at me because she was born again. Okay. And she said to me, she says, I really I believe Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Wow. He, she says, but it's, oh, it's up to you to open the door and allow him in, to dine with you. Mm-hmm. And I go home. All this happens within a week time. So all this is stirring in me. Someone gave me the book, The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. To this day, yeah. I don't even remember who. Yeah. So I'm reading this book in, with all this going on. And I have another dream. I was like taking a nap. I'm at home now. And, you know, you're at that semi-conscious lucid state. Mm-hmm. And I felt actually a, an evil presence come into my room Wow! and I felt like these hands choking me and mm-hmm. I woke up saying the Lord's prayer and mm-hmm. it left. And at the end of the book of Cal Lindsay's book was a, 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 um, a, a sinner's prayer is what they called it, but mm-hmm. a, actually a prayer to accept Jesus into your heart. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. And I had wow. an incredible conversion experience wow. with the Lord. And that began my journey with him mm-hmm. and the re- personal relationship, wow. that encounter. And so, yeah, that's that's how I entered in. That's the language he used for me. I guess that's the way to say it. Sure. He speaks to us uniquely. Well, you said earlier in your story when you were a child that you had a very vivid imagination and that it was very easy for you to be in reality, but also fantasy Yes. So it makes sense that the Lord would speak to you almost like in your heart language of mm-hmm. being able to receive these images, these dreams mm-hmm. and knowing this, this is, this is going to capture my daughter's heart. So this is yeah. how I'm going to reveal myself. And I love also that you talked about, I always believed in Jesus, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him because I would imagine we have listeners just like, yeah, of course, God, Jesus, get it. Good man. Amazing. Good. Got it. Right. But it's more, it's more than just believing that Jesus is, but accepting him as your savior. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures says, um, you believe in God. Great. So do the demons. 
and shut yes. up. Yes, <laughs> yes. Right? They can quote. They can quote scripture better than me. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's not the belief in God that saves us; is the acceptance of His Son Jesus yes. and having a personal relationship. So I love, I love, I love, I love that you talked about how your journey started. And so, okay, so we're gonna keep going. Well, oh, wait, I can take my comment. Yes, go, go, go. <laughs> Another thing we have in common, I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, the the Catholic part. And I was like you too. I'm like, well, I am Catholic and that is the way and that is right. I didn't really get the idea of all the Christian denominations. And it was a nun that started stirring my own soul. Like, you know what, there's something more than just going through these rituals. Look at her. She is alive with love Mm -hmm. for Jesus. Like he's real. Like he's a person somehow, you know, of the Bible. And she gave me my first like readable Bible. I mean, we had a big old family Bible that no one ever touched, collected dust in the other room. Um, but, and urged me to read it. And I mean, so to hear you say that, okay, I went to the nun because I could only listen to Catholics. I don't want to be falling into heresy with those Baptists over there. I mean, that's how we, I'm like, oh no, they're not going to get me, you know, but how God, the father has got people that are his his children jesus has people that are his real followers mm-hmm. in every denomination amen um, amen and how kind and gracious when he wakes us up and sends yes. us someone that can help us so i love that and then the other thing quick before we move on the late great planet earth yeah oh my goodness listeners if you are anything <laughs> like i used to be and chandra used to be the idea of christ coming again mm-hmm. even though and you'll remember this chandra every week in mass we would say christ has come christ has risen christ will come again come again yes we'd mm-hmm. say that every week mm-hmm. i had absolutely no clue what I was what saying. Really meant. I know. Right. And right. I remember going to this Bible study and these girls started talking about Jesus coming again to the earth. I'm like, excuse mm-hmm. me. And they started talking about the rapture. Like people yes. are going to be caught up in the air. I'm like, oh, people, people, come on. I mean, I believe I get the personal relationship thing now, but you're talking new age, weird stuff. And they're like, no, it's in the Bible, Katie, go read it. And one of the books they gave me was Hal Lindsay. Now I haven't read it in years and I don't really even remember the actual theology of it all. But same here, same here, me, me neither. Yeah, but, but it was in, it was eye-opening and instructive about the reality of he really is coming yes. back I love again that. someday and will we be ready ready you know yes. so thank you for sharing those <laughs> details i love it okay portia go on with the next question so in your 30s um so you finished college when did you marry your husband right after i graduated from college i okay. mean got out in may and got married in august yes. oh, i love that and how long have you all been married now oh gosh 
<laughs> about 46 years now. That's amazing. I love 40. Come on. That's legacy. Let's celebrate. Both of you yes. were in the service. You're married. Yes. You have kids. You're still married. That's a big yes. deal. Yeah. That's a huge That's a, deal. Yeah. We were considered dinosaurs in DC when people met me and I told them how long I'd been married. They looked at me with their mouth dropped open because they didn't know anybody like that. Right. And, uh, and I said, wow, I didn't realize it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there so. are people that they fight through it and look to the Lord and they stay married. I'm yeah. sure it hasn't been easy. Which No, we've had, but it, it takes two. I tell people it takes <sighs> two in the Lord. If one yeah. is just willing to do it and the other one's skip it, it's just not going to happen. It has to yeah. be two people willing to work together. Amen. Amen. So mm-hmm. our friends out there where um, either the husband or the wife isn't willing, mm-hmm. that's not on you. That's not saying right. you're not right. you know, yes. trusting the Lord. Yes, so right. thanks for clarifying that, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Chandra. But keep going, Portia. So in your <laughs> 30s, you had a flashback to when you were younger. What were the circumstances that led up to that? I did. Uh, we were in station at Fort Shafter, Hawaii at the time, living in paradise, right? It's beautiful. We had two children. Uh, Ashley was probably about two at the time. Aaron is six, seven. And um, we adopted these children. I had always wanted to adopt. I always thought I was adopted. I felt like I was adopted growing up. I could possibly belong to this family. But anyway, <laughs> So, but there was this heart, I always had a heart for adoption. So it presented itself to us in Hawaii. <clears throat> we brought these two children in our home out of foster care. We were adoptive parents, did all the adoptive paperwork. It wasn't finalized yet because, <clears throat> you know, it takes a few months, but they'd been in our home for three months. The little girl had quite a bit of um, behavior issues that I knew weren't normal. And I felt she'd been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And I brought that up to the social worker because I disagreed with the social worker the children were abruptly removed out of our home. And that trauma of having the children removed from our home was you know, emotionally shattering to all of us. But what it did for me, it made me feel helpless and hopeless, mm-hmm. which were feelings I had as a child, but I didn't remember. Right. Because I had positioned myself at that point, I was the captain in that reserves Mm -hmm. you know I was always a put together person I was Mm -hmm. strong Mm -hmm. you know I was uh overachiever and then all of a sudden I was fighting to help this little girl and then literally the the uh, the abuse of power stripped me of power that makes sense yeah and that that was the trigger and I had my first flashback and the way it came I was just getting ready to take a nap and all of a sudden I felt like a little girl. I felt like I was five or six and I felt this like a presence come into my room and I just knew something horrible was going to happen to me. Now I was in a frozen state when all this was happening. I mean, I literally got paralyzed Mm -hmm. and terror just felt Mm -hmm. raw terror. And I was, I was just thinking, I couldn't even say Jesus. I was just Mm -hmm. thinking, Jesus, Jesus, help me, help me. Mm -hmm. And when I thought out, I went downstairs to my husband. I said to him, I think something happened to me as a child, but I can't remember. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Mm. So that was my first indication something was not right. And I began my journey of trying to find out Mm -hmm. what happened. 
And I, I had, I was diagnosed with PTSD a few years later. Uh, I was dissociative amnesia. Okay. And um, because I had absolutely no, if you had met me back then mm-hmm. and asked me about my family, I would have said, I had a happy childhood. Mm-hmm. I had a perfect family. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so my husband living that, you know, with me, he never saw that. He didn't see the, the mother I would describe to him wasn't the mother he met. But I that's see. the mother. Sure that I as a child and even extended in my adulthood Mm -hmm. that's who I made it to be sure and um so I was grateful for my husband's support now that happened and you know we got on with life we had to move we went to uh, Leavenworth I adopted another baby there Mm. and so sometimes with trauma you might have those flashbacks a couple and then it may just kind of go I call dormant again subside And then it erupted about two years later. I began to have more and more flashbacks and triggers. And um, it got so bad. I was about mid-30s at the time. We had a third. If you can imagine, here you're a mom. And I was angry at God. Why are you? <laughs> We're like, why this time? You know, right. Why am I having to go through this now? Why couldn't right. this happen before I had children, right? right. And, um, but oftentimes when you do have children or events like I had, that traumatic event, it triggers you. And even your children, I believe my daughter, seeing her at a certain age mm-hmm. triggers some things unconsciously because my abuse started when I was a year and a half until I was 16 years of age. I was molested by my father. And um, so what does a little baby child do to cope most likely they disassociate yeah yes yeah you know, and, and you just you have nowhere to go so where do you escape mm-hmm. you skate you can escape mentally mm-hmm. whatever so um i had at this time in my life spiritually i was grateful for the relationship i had with the lord mm-hmm. and you said it right on the mark portia earlier when you said about how he's spoke to me through when I got saved and everything. Mm-hmm. I have been a dreamer. I mean, literally dreams since I was way high, very wow. little. I had mm-hmm. to get to dreams. And my mother told me when I was very young, when you wake up, just sit on the side of your bed and listen. Mm-hmm. And so God speaks to me mm-hmm. so many times through dreams. Mm-hmm. And um and he did that even in my healing journey. So I, you know, I I journal, so I just had Tons of journals, <laughs> right? I just, I would, t- I would tell my husband, "If you want to know where I am, because poor guy, you know, he was, <laughs> he didn't know what he had." <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tell you. At one point, he looked at me and said, "You got to get your ass some help." I mean, he just said that. He just looked at me at one point. He said, "I can't," and you know. <laughs> yes. And I'm you know what? Bully for him for calling a spade a spade and going, uh, right? We need help. And making <laughs> it direct and powerful with the word choice, you know. Yes. 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 Now. Yes. yes. And he and he was in command. It wasn't a great time. He was in command at the time, but no one else could know. I could hold myself together during a change command ceremony, and then I'd go back home and unravel. Yeah. So no one externally would know otherwise what mm-hmm. was going on in our family system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so grateful for the counselor he led me to. She was a believer, but she understand she understood 
dissociative amnesia, alters and parts. You know, you don't cast everything out. Someone right. else would say, you just cast all those demons out. Well, no, mm-hmm. they're not all demons. Right. You know, when you split, you've got to integrate. So mm-hmm. I was grateful for her intuitive and spirituality and listening to the Holy Spirit and doing the inner healing work. Mm-hmm. So we had that piece. We had, you know, the talk therapy. We had just so many different modalities she used before her time, actually, because we're talking wow. 30, we're talking 30 years ago. Yes. Awesome. awesome. The fact that she was a believer, and while there, we deal with very real spiritual forces, but there are also very real things that happen within us psychologically that happen that our, our, our brain yes. is altered. Trauma alters our brain. The brain. Yes. 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 Right. So yes. that is such a gift. You are absolutely right. That is such a gift that you found someone that was able to see what was actually happening in both spheres. In both yeah. the spiritual and the natural, and to work yeah. through both of those. That is because you got to do both. You like do. sometimes we just want Jesus to make it better, not recognizing that there's work we have to do in the natural, right? Yeah. I want yeah. Jesus to take off like 35 pounds. <laughs> it would be amazing if tomorrow I woke up and was 35 pounds lighter. But there's some things that I can do in the natural. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is right? helping me drop those 35 pounds. <laughs> Right. So really, that is a good analogy, Portia. I know people are laughing, but it's a good analogy. Yeah. You know, body, soul, and spirit. And there is soul work that we can do with help, with, with, you know, um, and just like there's physical work we can do, but the spirit Mm -hmm. is involved also. But yeah, I love that. That is mm-hmm. good. That is good. So she helped you through all. Oh my goodness. She was, and, and also at the same time, you know, God just, it was a divine setup. That's all I can say. I was in Colorado Springs at the time. They had a healing retreat also through this uh, Christian organization. And I went there for eight days. It was an intensive, eight day intensive healing retreat. And my counselor happened to be working it. I mean, she had signed uh, up before we even started our therapy. So that was just God confirming to me. Wow. She's the one. And um, that I had a lot of breakthrough during that time. And I was grateful. And then I saw her the remaining year. So although it was eight days, they say it was like six months worth of therapy. Wow. That's how intense was. And, yeah. uh, and it was the first time I came out of a place where I felt very vulnerable. I think when you have a lot of trauma, a lot of wounds and hurts, you have all these coping mechanisms to cover up that hurt and that wound. And I tell you, I thank God for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how we survived. Right. But then it comes to a point as we've matured and we're trying to get healthy, they no longer serve us well. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like you outgrow them. We've outgrow them. And now they become hindrances to relationships, whether it's with the Lord, between our spouses, with our children, they actually become hindrances. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. some wisdom. That is some wisdom. You know, I'm just, I'm already sitting here thinking there is, I'm sure listeners are going, but what about this? And what about your kids? And what about this? Um, and we're going to talk about your book here in a moment because you started writing your story. Yes. But then you got stuck. So how did you get unstuck? Because I have started <laughs> reading your story. So obviously you have finished it because I'm in the middle of the story. <laughs> we can read yes. it. You have written it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's so funny because I felt it was time to write about three years ago and I got a prophetic word. This guy just says, I see two books out of you. Have you started writing yet? And it was like, I knew, okay, Lord, it's time to write this book. And my counselor had told me years ago, she told me, I believe the Lord wants you to write your story or write a book. It's going to help many people. And, and I know she's cheering me on in heaven now. Mm. She's probably saying, you finally did it. (laughs) (laughs) So I started the memoir and, you know, just as I just kind of like did a chapter and would write and I found, I found the editor and I was stuck. I said, I really just don't know how to do this thing. And she, she asked me, well, have you thought about writing it in fiction genre? And I was like, no, it never dawned on me. And when she said that, my spirit just kind of bloop, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the way I need to write it. So then she was going through a challenging uh, season in her life. So I had to find another develop, development mental editor. Mm-hmm. And she was just exceptional. And when she got my manuscript, it was kind of really a mess. Mm-hmm. And she helped me put that in a fiction structure <sighs> because there's no way I could have done it. You know, God has brought me a team to do this. <laughs> and, uh, and and I tell you, she was ingenious how she did it. And my husband, after he read the he read the first rough draft and he, you know, he's read the finished product and he says, Oh my goodness, this is such an amazing story and such a, a great book. And he learned some things. He didn't know. I mean, there's some things in my story right. that I wrote in this book. He didn't read. He's not really a reader. He's auditory, and so he didn't really go through my journals and read my stuff. Sure, sure. But one of the things I want to say with journal writing—it's so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. I was able to write things in my journal when I was too ashamed. The things I was too ashamed to speak when I sure. first started my healing journey. Sure. And so writing that, but it helped me when it was time to write this novel. It helped me. I went back and dug through the journals and I was reading. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'd forgotten this and forgotten this, the things that the Lord did and what I walked through that I felt it needed to be part of Marcia's story mm-hmm. in order to help someone, yeah, to let them know that they're not alone. I wrote the story. I went through my journey. I felt pretty much alone other than Helen and my husband. Mm-hmm. I was alone going through this journey and the intense healing went for about four years. Okay. And I want other people to know when they're going through something like this, that they're not alone Yeah. and giving them a resource. I had really no resources out there even to read or to find on repressed trauma. Now, you know, trauma is a buzzword today. It's, right. It's getting a lot more, but there's still, I've, I've contacted several therapists. There aren't a lot of resources, books out on repressed memory or someone who's gone through it. Right. Well, I just love... That you did it in this genre, like we were talking about earlier, to read something that teaches us something in history. When it's a fiction story, you are taking a very, very difficult topic and you are making it so approachable that someone can, it's not, it's not like sitting down with the book and you're like, okay, now follow this step or that step. You get sucked into the story because already I'm sucked into the story. I'm just like, I'm taught, tossed between what? And just wanting to know what's happening to this character and then periodically stopping and going, no, wait, this story is actually telling Kendra's story um, and of knowing this isn't just fiction. This isn't just the stuff of stories. This is your story. Yeah. Um, And it's just, I'm about a third through it. 
And it's just so beautiful how it's written. And it's just the word I keep thinking is it's invitational into a difficult space. Right? Oh, I love that. Mm. Oh, you need to, that needs to be on the notes. <laughs> I was going to say, write that down. somebody write that down. All right, no, I got it. I want it. You got that? I can't wait to start reading it. I can't. I, I, I try to read things prior to the interview, but this okay, week, Zane, but I oh, will wow. read it. And, um, Speaking of that kind of genre, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance, you, Chandra, but also our listeners, to listen to Sharon Garla Brown's uh, mm-hmm. episode. I think it's episode 141, 141. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. because she did, did kind of the same thing. Chandra, she was um, motivated and challenged to write fiction, but weaving a lot of her own experiences and characteristics and how God mm-hmm. helped her mm-hmm. and um and then working on and then teaching mm-hmm. yeah. spiritual disciplines through fiction. Right. I don't know. I think yeah. I I think I listened to her story. Was she not the missionary, but her husband was a pastor and she was yes. a pastor too. Yes. That was very good. Yes, yeah. very that very good. good. So you have a lot mm-hmm. in common. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that interview. So okay, you have two you have two books. I'm reading yes. I Met Her Before. That's the one that's that I'm the, reading that's right now. That's the new one. Okay. That's the new one. And the official launch is the 21st of April next Wednesday. Okay. Yes. Early, early, early copy, one. folks. Sorry. <laughs> Privileges of being on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Okay. So since this is not going to be aired, what, to July? <laughs> June? When is this going to be aired? I'll look Do it up. You, you know keep yet? talking. Okay. So whenever this is aired, but I will let's let you know that I just uh, have my paperback is actually live now. So that okay. can be ordered. Um, but the ebook is will be available on the 21st. So and it's um, through Amazon. Can we get it all through Amazon? On Amazon, yes. On Amazon, yes, yes. So and, that's your um, second book, but what's your what's your first book called? My first book was a memoir. Um, and it's called Tragically Taken. Okay. Okay. And it's actually the story of our adoption process and the children and what we walked through and how God called me to be a voice for the voiceless. And I became an activist and all that. Okay. When the children were talking. So that's what that that first book was about. So my books tend to be, I realize I write about, um, I was writing about the importance of foster care reform when I wrote that that story. Oh, wonderful. You know our experience, and uh, so I tend I tend to write about things that are maybe controversial, not indirectly, but our first experience of my own, and that I write about in hopes to help other people or to educate them. Absolutely, absolutely, you know? or uh, to bring hope, encouraging, and to bring hope, encourage, and comfort. And, and in that book, I have a prayer at the end of the book. That book was really meant. I wasn't as upfront uh, with with my walk with the Lord in this book. I, I met her before. I kind of took people on a journey. Like, I mean, if you, re- you read the beginning. I call the Holy Spirit spirit, mm-hmm. and I take I take them on this journey with Marcia. She grows spiritually also mm-hmm. because I didn't want what I wanted with this book. I wanted to reach people who were seeking also right. mm-hmm. in this book. That. And uh, so I didn't want to just in your face type. Right. I wanted to, like you said, make it invitational. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that. that. There, um, 
this is listeners. You, you're going to want to get this. You're going to want to read this first of all, because we did like a 10,000 foot view into your story, uh, Chandra. And so there's so, there's so many more layers to this of what mm-hmm. God did and how he brought healing yeah. and how it impacted your immediate sphere of your family. Yes. And so, um, listeners for sure, you're going to want to look up Chandra. If she's ever at a conference that is nearby, you, you're going to want to go. Um, cause I, cause what I see when we're talking to you is you're not talking about something that is still tormenting you. Right. You are speaking from a place of freedom. That doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not going to be so naive to think that there might not be a twinge on occasion because that's right. how it happens. But it is very apparent that you are speaking from a whole W-H-O-L-E place and not a whole H-O-L-E place. That is just testimony to God really can take all of our history, all of our life and make it beautiful. I don't know how he does it. I don't either, but I, I really believe nothing is wasted if we give it to him. Yes. Right. That's so good. If, if we give everything to him, it's amazing what he will do. Right. And how he will. And it's not so much. I tell people he just loves us so much. Mm-hmm. His love is. And, and he just delights in us. It's not so much. He loves us so we can do something for him. You know, I got delivered from that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. it's really more that he loves us. And when we can recognize and encounter that love, mm-hmm. it's so transformal. It's transformative. It's not just here in the head, it's in the heart. And I have been blessed to encounter quite a few of that, those things in my life with him. And so that's what I love to give people when I go minister, whatever the the thing that seems to exude from me is his love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't even know how you're speaking or like (laughs) right now. You really don't. Portia and I have been having, uh, you know, kind of an ongoing conversation about this very thing, getting, getting free from the idea that it's about what we can do for him or, you know, um, and receiving and resting. Yes. And it. resting. Um, and it, and it's a, it's a overflow, you know, when you're in that space of resting and receiving it, then it comes more naturally. Not that you don't have to do hard work. I mean, I'm right. on this trying to get this promoted. It's been hard work, but you can do it from a place of rest. And I, I tell you, rest is your weapon. I tell yes. people all the time, mm. rest is a weapon. Wow. You know, because that's because that's when we are at peace. Yeah, that's so good. I like that. Oh, Kendra, I like just that. know I'm going to quote you this weekend. <laughs> the weekend I'm going into. Rest is your weapon. You think more clear-minded. You have yes. more strength. Even your joy, yes. your joy yes. is is refilled when Filled. you're rested. Yes, girl. Yeah. If you don't stop preaching, we're we're, <laughs> we're just trying to tell your story, and then you just go to preaching. <laughs> and we can talk to you for ages. Oh my goodness! But I just I keep feeling I'm just like there's so much more that I think that we'd love to have you unpack in your story. And so I'm going to pretend I'm Susan right now and say, we got to have you back. I know. <laughs> I, I love know. that. I know. I would love that. That. And also um, to our listeners, mm-hmm. sometimes you might think, well, are you guys just only having authors on now? You know, <laughs> you talk a lot about people that, mm-hmm. I mean, you talk to a lot of people that have written books. Right. 
But here is what I've realized is we can only say so much in 45 minutes. We can only unpack so much of a story. We honestly, truly believe that stories change lives, that God uses other people's stories to intersect with our own story and Mm -hmm. teach us something, give us that comfort, that hope, that courage, that spurring Mm -hmm. on or whatever it might be. And so I love that we're having authors on here where we we give you like Portia said the big the big view Mm -hmm. but then you can go out and get the details for yourself you can immerse your own self at your own pace in our guests work whether you're a reader or an audiobook I like that you're saying you have an audiobook coming because I know a lot of friends Mm -hmm. that is their main thing yes Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. It's not superior to read with your right. eyes versus your ears. It's right. how right. you're wired. Yeah. So, um, so I love that. Listeners, get get the book, and you can go deeper. <laughs> but before you go, uh, we always ask every guest mm-hmm. this last question: If you could only leave us with one thought, one gem, one word of mm-hmm. encouragement. What might that be? Hmm, I love that question. I want to end with a short story if I could. Okay. Because in that is the answer. And in 2016, I had a series of three visitations encounters with the Lord. And I had had relationships with uh, Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. But I really did not have a close relationship with my heavenly father until this time and i was meditating did i not tell you if you would believe and rely on me you would see the glory of god and i was just meditating on it breathing in and out slowly and all of a sudden i felt my spirit ascending and i could feel angels on either side and i found myself before these brilliant doors which i'd been there before in a dream state but never awake state and the doors open and I'm in my heavenly father's garden. Mm. And it is so beautiful. First, it was blinding. It took me a while to just, and he was there. And you know, he said to me, he says, I'm so glad that you've come. I've been waiting for you. The door has always been open, but now you believe and are finally here. Wow. All right. That was so transformative. And his love, his warmth and the smile that exuded from him. Now, if I were to, I couldn't describe what he looked like, but all of that was there. It was so overwhelming that he was so happy to see me. He was so happy to be with me. Mm-hmm. That was so revelatory mm-hmm. because we say the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? But you know what? When I had those three encounters, I discovered and I was his joy. Yeah. And that's what I want to share with the listeners. You are your father's joy. And he said, you began in the womb of my heart, wrapped in my garment of light. And that's for everyone out there. We began in him, in the womb of his heart. He thought us into existence and everything he created is good and beautiful. And he delights to be with us. That forever changed me when I had those three encounters. And I just want to leave that with the listeners that he delights in you. 
and your identities in him. Yeah, I love that. Because that verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I honestly used to interpret it as uh, my joy in him and what he's done for me. Right. You know, me, 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 everything was so me centered. Like I got to be joyous. Darn it. All the time. I'm not going to be strong. You know, I will be joyful. Whether I'm crying or not, I will be joyful. And, and more and more, I'm realizing the joy of the Lord is your strength means his joy over you. It's not what you're generating. It's not your character revving up some joy, you know. Right. Um, it is his joyful love and acceptance of you that can yes. make you strong. So yes. relax, Katie, you know, and... I like that. Rest. Rest is your weapon. Is that is that yeah, what you yes. on? Rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like rest in his love. Yes. Um, oh. So I like that. I Kendra, like that. What I, I love also that you have been consistent throughout. What's your last thing you want to say? You wrapped it in a story. That is indeed a gift that God has given you to be able to demonstrate his truth and showcase what he's done in your life through story. And so thank you. Thank you you. for sharing your story with us and with our listeners today. This is, I, but when I was praying before, when we, before we came on and started to record, I really had a sense that your story today is going to be the catalyst to people's healing. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate your willingness to share with us and share with our listeners because it, it is powerful, it is invitational, and it's hopeful. There is hope. There is hope that you don't have to stay in the mire of whatever has happened or whatever yeah. has been done to you. And so thank you. Thank you. I cannot say thank you enough. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for having me. This has been fun with you, ladies. And you know I want to come back. <laughs> and you know I want to come back. We want you to come back. Absolutely. And uh, and now I have two more books to get on my nightstand. Get in my, in my stack. But thank it. you. We love you, sister. We have a new sister, a new friend. And listeners, we love you all too. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Love you. Bye.